So the Dharma talk uh, this uh, this morning is still morning. This morning is called um, hacking the mind. We all know what hacking is. So this might be a little different than the kind of hacking you're thinking about. Just in the conventional sense, hacking what computer systems or people, or companies or governments or any other kind of closed system that wants privacy and everything. The ego mind is uh, very similar to that. It's a bureaucracy of protection for who this is and what this is in order to uh, get what you want, uh, fulfill the, the, the passion, aggression, ignorance, fulfill the hopes and fears, keep away the fear and get more hope and all that um, propaganda. And so uh, in order to get into that closed system of the ego, um, quite often uh, it's people try to do that, uh, different kinds of systems for doing that. Um, psychology, philosophy, you know, how can we get in there using the, the uh, constructs, philosophical premise and so on. So the way I teach it and the way it's, uh, I might not have thought of the word hacking, but is in order to get into that system, it seems to be necessary to look at the system uh, rather than have, uh, rather than uh, say, if you, you know, the, the metaphor, which only goes so far, why would you take a box of tools to something you didn't know what tools you needed. So you first need to really look at the situation. And this is why a sitting practice of meditation is about sitting down still and looking at the obstruction or the, the looking at the secrecy of ego, the way it puts up ideas and um, interpretations and, and opinions and, and fuels the hope and fear that keeps uh, everything all isolated and closed off. <clears throat> it seems like the only way we're, you're going to be able to get into that is to look at it. How do we do that? We, what you're looking for, you're always looking at. But it might be layers and layers of ideas, opinions, judgments, evaluations, and uh, uh, conclusions. Anytime you have a conclusion, this is what happens. It's not that the conclusion doesn't have a relative base. It just means that you don't need to conclude anything. You don't need opinions. They're just totally worthless. You're just about protecting something that's not real in the first place. What is it that's not real? Your identity. It is not real. Don't believe a word I say. Don't disbelieve it. And don't look away from it. If you, if you can do those three, uh, if you can really do those three, you're, 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 or those three, you're free, which rhymes, interestingly. But you're free. And what are you free? You're not free uh, it's not about the relative freedom of free to get out of jail or free to get out of this or into that. On the other hand, if you went backwards and used those metaphors, as a, uh, I think it was Nagarjuna said in, in his uh, praise of Dharmadhatu in uh, uh, 2,000 years ago, said, uh, uh, referred to the cage of your afflictions. You know, we, we are, uh, the afflictions are the grasping at this and the rejecting of that based on hope and fear that we're in kind of a cage of our own making. And when we say our own, it's just the dynamic of consciousness tends to, uh, because of the nature of being a living being, being separated from everything, then this kind of looks like some kind of confirmation that we are separate. We're separated, sure. I'm over here, you're over there, but fundamentally we're not. We're not separate. And so it's not just an opinion. Um, it's so not an opinion that you can't maintain it. That's why if you begin to understand that, you'll find your ego mind wants to go and see if it can believe that, and it won't find anything to believe in. That not finding is finding. This is a spiritual path. It's not a mundane path. 
The Montaigne path is about getting better. Getting better is very relative. It's not that it's not in the in our world that things don't get get better or get worse or get but but it's uh, you don't have to draw a conclusion from that. It's going to happen in any case, in every case. Get a little bit better, get a little bit worse. It's when we buy into that on any level, we are sucked into that whole structure, that whole propaganda, that whole uh, uh, government of the elite that that control everything else, that control your life and everything based on what fear. And if you want to be free and you want to be fearless, you better look at the prison bars that you're creating all the time with your ideas, your opinions, your conclusions, your judgments, your evaluations of yourself and others. Don't do it. You don't need it. You can you could be free right now. And freedom is not freedom from or freedom to from that or freedom to do that. It's fundamental freedom, which I don't know if using the words that I don't know what else to use, but it's not exactly even freedom. I would say it's not separate. You can't find anything that isn't your friend. You can't find anything that isn't your enemy. Not to, not to. You don't have to get rid of negativity. It's a it's an astonishing thing to stumble into, and it's rare because most human beings. I'm not here to evaluate anybody, but most human beings are buying into this and rejecting that on some level, with possibly even very very sophisticated uh, science and propaganda and and philosophy and psychology and everything to. Push it up so that this is, we do this because of this and this. I'm not doing any of that. I mean, I'm a Buddhist monk, but as I've said on many occasions, not particularly trying to be humorous, but if I came here in bib overhauls and a beret, you know, you probably might have a little bit of difficulty <laughs> listening to me. <laughs> you might you might listen, but you, you but it might not be you. It might be somebody else who is more interested in having a really odd teacher, really odd, unusual, crazy teacher. Whereas I present myself as very civilized. Don't you think? <laughs> so it's, uh, what it is, it's uh, interesting how um, uh, this tradition, this uh, Buddhist tradition, which I as, as talking about stumbling into something, stumbled into many years ago, um, when you really understand what this path is, you begin to see that even the forms in the path are unreal. You don't, you don't have to believe in Buddhism. It's just a form. It's just a way of approaching fundamental truth about who you are, what you are, what this is about, what you're here to do, and what you're here uh, not to do. So hacking the system, the idea there is you have to look at the system. You can't really do it. Uh, the mind, the thinking mind can't solve itself yeah, because it just it's, it's circular. It's called samsara. It goes around and around and around. You will get better and then you'll get worse. And then you'll get better and then you'll get worse. And then you'll always have a reason or excuse or an idea about why you're getting worse. Well, it must be because of this. It must be because of this. Don't speculate. And if you do speculate, don't try to stop speculating. I'll say that again. Don't speculate. But if you find yourself spontaneously speculating, don't try to stop that. Uh, rather, Take advantage as a meditator, take advantage of anything that's rising spontaneously like speculation and just watch it. It's always about awareness that is never about accomplishing anything. You're trying to accomplish something. This is called spiritual materialism, as my teacher Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche talked about 50 years ago. So the self-centered mind, the ego mind, what in, in the Yogacara tradition of Buddhism has uh, what's called the eight consciousnesses, the five sense fields, and they're uh, they're uh, the organ and the object of consciousness, uh, eye organ, what you see, ear, what you hear, and so on. 
And then the, the processing mind or the six consciousness, which just kind of keeps all that organized. So, so, the, uh, so you aren't hearing what else somebody else is seeing and you aren't smelling what somebody else is tasting. So it needs to have some kind of uh, boundary there in order to keep us uh, from trimming other people's fingernails. So and then the seventh consciousness is the one that's called the Kalesha mind, or the ego mind, or the confused mind. And I would also like to say these are not discrete uh, compartments of consciousness. It's just the way people in ancient times who were very sincere and dedicated and devoted about this practice came up with this. Who knows who, who did it? But came up with this particular way of breaking down the consciousness so that it's, work, it's a workable pattern. It's like, it's like a map. It's, a, it's workable because it tends to point to the areas that you could take your uh, mind and contemplate and see that, yes, that aspect of the mind does do that. It's like we don't get confused between hearing and seeing. Um, but we're using physical anchors in order to, for that to happen. Actually, the senses are uh, quite apt to overlap and underlap and so on. That's, uh, but then sometimes when that happens without uh, when there's fear involved, sometimes we get afraid and we, we need to go and what do they do? They medicate us. They don't meditate you. They put things on top. They want to control symptoms. So this, this uh, practice is not about controlling symptoms. It's about seeing them, seeing them. So the seventh consciousness is the one that's uh, in love with itself, thinks it is somebody, and, and, and is, uh, that's the area of your mind that gets uh, insulted if somebody insults you, rather than just seeing that anytime anybody insults you, it's about this is the way they get rid of their own negativity. They just blame it on you or they just throw it on you. I'm doing fine. And you're the crazy person. And then we, because we believe and disbelieve, we tend to believe that because we're already insecure. So if somebody comes up and offers us a, has a big, uh, here, have a big helping of negativity because we're not clear about who we are, that negativity that we have not examined starts to resonate with the negativity that someone is pushing towards us. And then we get confused about who we are, what we're doing, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. What do I do with this? You know, if you go to someone with a bunch of credentials on their wall, they will because that's how they make their living, of course they'll help you and they'll charge you. And so it's a merchandising situation that's happening. And again, it's not that that's wrong or incorrect. Maybe that's what you need to do. I wouldn't say you're doing something wrong. I would say that's what you need to do. Go, go there and do it. But it might be good to be really clear about what you're doing because you're actually going to someone and you're turning your life over to someone who, who the, the government and the society and the education system which is not particularly clear, if you haven't noticed, those of you who are professionals in any of these fields, notice that it needs to be hacked. So there are plenty of people out there that are hacking it. And I'm not here to advance hacking or no hacking. I'm just using that, that term because it tends to work because that's what you're doing when you sit down and hold still long periods of time, hold still. Eventually, the consciousness that wants the truth, that in Buddhism, that's called bodhicitta, the mind of awakening. The mind of awakening is not a person. It's a, it's a force in the world. This image that's up here, this uh, rupa, this form represents for 2,500 years, represents the bodhicitta. Bodhi is awakening. Chitta is mind. These are Sanskrit words. But that mind that, uh, that you're not separate from wants that. And so sometimes we the, that mind and the ego mind get mixed together and we get confused and we tend to, what, settle. Well, it's working. Something that is working uh, it's highly suspect. So it might be better for you to look at all the stuff that isn't working so well. 
rather than coming to conclusions about it, which as soon as you come to any conclusion about anything, I'm not saying that the conclusion isn't doesn't have a relative stability to it, but you're you're immediately covering up. All investigation ceases. You use a, a crime scene. If you look, well, it's obvious that this person did it or that person did it uh, from whatever little evidence there might be. And of course, the metaphor doesn't go too far, but something of that. Don't conclude anything. Let it conclude itself. But needs concluding. It, you know, so fire is hot. It's not a conclusion. Fire is hot, unless it's a picture of fire, or the word fire, or somebody saying uh, uh, fire. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say. Don't say. What is it? Don't say fire in a burning building. I'm not sure why they say that. <laughs> this is what this is. This is a burning building. It was one of the metaphors for samsara. Is is that most people are in a burning building, and don't see it because they're focused on. Uh, some kind of materialistic goals or something. And not that that's wrong. People should focus on whatever they need to buy groceries and so on, feed their, their children and, and have a snowmobile. Should do whatever they want to do. But it might be a good idea since death comes without warning, not particularly a negativity, to find out who this is that's headed for that particular situation. So if you hack this, the system, hack the this person, uh, you... You begin to go in and see the way in which you, me, all of us, uh, tend to um, look away from the fundamental truth. And what is that fundamental truth? Nothing is separate from anything else. It is separated uh, um, quite artistically, actually. Trees and leaves and raccoons and mice and uh, clouds, rivers, rainbows, dogs, cats, poop, and uh, flowers. I leave anything out. <laughs> so, and, and actually seeing and appreciating, the word appreciation means to let something be what it is. It doesn't mean knowing its value. Right? Often that's misunderstood as what art appreciation. When and you learn where the person was born, <clears throat> what kind of paintbrushes they used, <clears throat> or what, you, know, you learn a bunch of information about them, but you don't really, you aren't really introduced to what they did. So, because that has to be done by looking at it. If it's a painting, listening to it. If it's if it's a, a piece of music or poetry. So each person can, as soon as you sit down, hold still, face the wall, face a, uh, an oak tree, face the side of your garage, whatever you're facing, or nothing is happening. Sit down, hold still. All the senses open. Just receive. Just just observe. That way you will, over time, it might take a while, you'll get access to deeper and deeper layers of consciousness, excuse me, which cannot be counted. You can't, you're not going to see the layers go by. <clears throat> so that's just a way of saying that it gets, if you look at the surface of anything, it gets deeper. You go through that because those layers are, those layers are created by the mind as obstructions, opinions, ideas, fear. Fear becomes very fake. So in order to hack that, in order to break into that, that mechanism that holds everything together called me, me and my stuff, my world, my values, my opinions, my political party, my church, my, my, uh, uh, my sangha, my, my, uh, me, 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 me. And we, we re reinforce it by, uh, a way of working with the relative truth of it so that it, so it, it's uh, rampant. It's all over the place. It's interesting. It's interesting that if you if you sit for a while, you'll notice the particular structure, the way in which you're hiding out from yourself. 
not comfortable. And that's why it seems to be necessary to have, in our situation, the three jewels, the Buddha, or the teaching person, the Dharma, or what is being taught. Everything is dependently arisen. There's not a single separate thing anywhere. This is 2,500 years ago. I'm not, I didn't make that up. And the Sangha, the community, those three are very important. And one is not more important than the other. You need all three. You can't, you can't do uh, the teacher and the teaching without the Sangha. Although people try to do that because they don't like other people. They don't like the Sangha. They don't want to practice. We have people in our Sangha that don't like other people in the Sangha and actually won't, won't practice with them. You all know that. So it's not about avoiding that. It's about being aware of that. Very interesting area to look into. So nothing to join. There's nothing to join. There's nothing to leave. Also, I mean, uh, here I am sitting here wearing a robe and, and uh, present. I'm presenting as a, a, a teacher, but that's uh, that's choiceless. It's not a decision. It may look like one, but it's not particularly a decision. So uh, when you find out there's no self or there's no ego, or there's, when you when you act on the hacking is thorough and you go right through what you thought was a building and then you find the front door and the back door of the same door, you don't even find a building. So where, where does that leave you? Find out. Find out. To ego, this is terrifying. And if you're at some point in your path, if you don't run into some terror, then uh, come and talk to me about it or not. Everyone is sealed off in different ways. And uh, to use that word hacking every you know, I can't do it for you. I mean, I might be able to, since I've been around doing this for a while, I might be able to talk to you for minutes and see the way in which you're shutting down. But I have to have permission from you, not as, yeah, so because I can go ahead and give me permission, you know, take me out. Go ahead, find me. Here's my rib cage. Have a look. So it's not, not like a surgeon, particularly. On the other hand, that metaphor works to some extent. I have I have students that are very sincere and dedicated and all of that, but are very closed off and they, they're going to have to open it up themselves. They're going to have to do it. I can't do it for them. Question? Does mean? So you're an artist. When you look at the painting of a Monet and you look at the painting of somebody else who is also good, but perhaps not Monet, mm-hmm. do you not discriminate? No, the paintings do it. I watched them do it. Can you say more about the painting? Yeah, an oak tree never argues with an elm tree. I've never seen it happen. Of course, I'm not out there looking around much. Things are what they are. The comparison is our addition. Things are what they are. Everything everything should be appreciated or could be appreciated. You allow something to be what it is. And you may, you may uh, uh, enjoy the Monet more than you would... So it depends on the sensibility. It depends on so much. So it's so dependent. The difference between Monet and a, a drawing of a five-year-old. There's a, there's differences, but there. If you think about it too much, you abandon the sense of sight. Anytime you start talking about what you see, talking about what you smell, talking about what you hear, you immediately abandon that sense and opt for what the thinking process, which needs hacking. It needs hacking. I mean, we need to look into it so so that the thinking process can take its place uh, in the back row. The senses need to be in the front row. These are the receivers. You see, you smell, you taste, you touch. This is this is. You don't smell in the future. You don't smell in the past. You smell now, and there there is no such thing as now other than the concept now, because there isn't anything but now. There isn't anything but this moment. This is, but there's a strong illusion of time that ego makes use of and whole countries and dictators. 
and, and uh, the other kind of taters make use of to control because they, those people are suffering too. And how do they get out of suffering? Control others or put the suffering on others, blame others. But the difference between a Monet and a, your average artist, that's what you're talking about. Eventually the average artist will be the great artist. Monet will be just somebody who makes plots of color. Nothing lasts. And I love Monet, by the way, especially his paintings of dogs. He doesn't paint dogs, so that Water lilies, yes. Good, good, good question. Well, that that we tend to do that. What happens is when we when we go when we look at something, see something, smell something, hear something, we attend, the, what follows up right away, or maybe it's ahead of it, is the thinking process telling us what we're smelling, what we're seeing. We look at a painting. We looking at these paintings uh, here by uh, uh, was it Sally? You know, Sally's paintings back here. Really, pretty, pretty. The thing, the thing about so Sally's paintings is they're so genuine and direct. She had quite a bit of ability to uh, uh, intuitive ability to balance colors and shapes and so on. But her, her, um, her, shall we say, innocence, her, her of that is what's so powerful there. That's what you see. You actually, and I know she's passed now, but she's not gone anywhere. She's still here. But those aren't better than Picasso or better than Monet and Monet isn't better than that. That's, that's something we add on. Everything is appreciated. Everything can be, it can be just what it is. We're the ones who build buildings and put paintings inside of them. What do they call them? Museums. Go ahead. So um, it's one thing to go up on the mountaintop and practice. And it's another thing to live in the ordinary world and practice yes. this. So when we're in the everyday world, the only thing that we can do is be consciously aware of what we're doing because you can't What's your stop it. Huh? I understand what you're saying. Yeah, what, and what, is, what, that, is that the question? That's the only thing you can no, do? No, just ask me a question. That, is that the only thing you can do? No. Is, no. Now what's your question? Then how do you... Um, live in the everyday world in a spiritual way. Yeah. So, as you've heard me say many times, uh, take some time out of your everyday moving around, hold the body. Body and mind are not two different things. They just look like You've heard me say that probably hundreds of times. Uh, so you can't find the mind. You can't get a hold of that, that, uh, that particular dynamic in consciousness. But you can find the body. Sit the body down in a symmetrical posture, hold still, and watch what continues to move, which will be the mind and lots of other things, ache in your knee or birds outside the building or all kinds of things. Just watch the movement. And in this way, that aspect of consciousness that just receives, observes, gets stronger, just a relative way of talking. Maybe that doesn't happen at all. But that gets stronger so that when you get up off the cushion, your interaction with the world has more space around it. There's less claustrophobia around, not only claustrophobia, around uh, um, pouring a cup of tea or making some uh, small talk with someone standing next to you in the kitchen, uh, but there's less uh, around everything. And, there, and it's not something you can see. You'll just notice there's more space, there's more space around your negativity. You're, there's, there's more, you're being much more appreciative and generous to your own negativity. Therefore, you could possibly feel even more negative because you're no longer shutting it down with some kind of ideas, opinions, hopes, and fears. So just yeah, more. Yeah. Making some sense to you yeah. on some level. 
on three different levels, past, present, future. So yeah, just to, it's a very difficult to retrain ourselves to to be be generous with ourselves, to appreciate our negativity. You know, this this old man sitting here has not gone anywhere. Nothing has happened. I've just been diligent and stubborn about it. I'm going to see what this is if I die trying. And of course, I did die, but I'm back. So, well, something dies, but then something that dies it can't really die. So therefore, nothing dies. So it's always about not to. Anytime you say one thing, you create the other. And if you create, if you say this, then you created this. There's always a polarity happening somehow. It's only about awareness. It's never about coming to a to a conclusion. Um, so down at the monastery has a question. He asks, "How does seeing no separation help us when death comes?" No death. There, there's no death. There, there's no birth. There's a body mind that comes up here, but but there but who you are is beyond uh, birth and death. Unless you cling to the body and want and, and fear death, you think you are somebody. You think just because you can do that that there's somebody there. There's no solid being. It's discontinuous. It's not that there isn't something that comes up and functions as a me. I'm the one who's chopping carrots. I'm the one who's mowing lawn. I'm the one who's uh, in love with uh, sprucies. It's not that that isn't there. The, the relationship dynamic is always going to be overwhelming. I mean, look at Halloween, for example. <laughs> There's a lot of polarity there. If we invent the whole thing, everything's Halloween all the time. We're always putting on masks and making up stuff, pretending like it's not. Uh, Mayun from uh, France has a question. Good. <laughs> she tuned in and it's only quarter to six there. She asks, is seeing, smelling, or hearing something that is not real or visible for others in this reality a way the mind is hacked? Are we hacked in the deep consciousness dimension? Thank you. Yes. Uh, if, you, if you're going to take it there, yeah. You, you, need to, you need to start hacking yourself because you're going to be hacked from every direction. Depending on the causes and conditions that arise, is this any particular being, including male? So you, everybody is sensitive in different ways. Some people have no idea that there's a that there's a, an intermediate state. And if you talk about it, they say, "Well, I don't believe that." Well, it's like saying you point to there's a there's a tornado coming, and they go, "No, they're not." I don't believe that. And it's a simple metaphor of disbelief. But don't ignore anything. Don't agree with anything. Because if you agree with something, you're going to get yourself in a tailspin. Don't agree. Don't look away. Well, shut down. But yes, there's uh, there's intermediate. That intermediate state is, as far as we know, there's uh, some people actually have a direct sense of that. And of course, they can't tell anybody else because and the other people will think they're nuts. And they're not nuts. It's the people who think they're nuts that are nuts. And they aren't even nuts. Is that a, does that ever become like a technical term? I mean... <laughs> Psychiatrists use that, but they do it private. That guy's really does. It's so not separate that the very separations, that's what makes them so magnetic, it makes us so get seduced into things that we get there's some kind of this little promise that we might be able to understand something else. There isn't anything else. In 2010, when I ordained uh, Uno, as a, who is a, a Sunlit Cloud is her name, Uno. Uh, I, I was standing next to Shoho, who gave me the uh, precepts uh, years ago, and uh, 
her Roxy was there and I'd just been, wrote her name on there and I said, I want to write something else on it. Well, go ahead and write something on it. So I put nothing else. It says that on the back of her Roxy. That wasn't something I thought of. It just comes out. It's just, it's just true. There isn't anything else. Whatever you're looking at, there isn't anything else but that. You're always looking at ultimate truth. It's not a, it's not a guarantee. You don't need that. That's cheap to guarantee anybody anything. I'm not going to do that. It's like Nagarjuna said in the second century, and in, and in praise of Dharmadatta, he says, "You, uh, you may attain enlightenment, you may not." I like that. First century humor. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a place for things like neurolinguistic programming in the toolkit for hacking? So neurolinguistic programming, I think, can be used somewhat. I think you could use something like that, just like we have yoga and have. So many different things that are, you know, you have a body-mind complex. There's different ways of working with it. So less is better, but you can do some and then watch what happens and don't look for conclusions. And so um, the, the the issue, and I've called it an issue, that if somebody does either yoga, neuro-linguistic programming, or uh, moral inventory, or cognitive behavioral therapy, or all the 150 therapies that are listed in Wikipedia, I'm sure you've read those many times, <laughs> I mean, there's as a therapy for everything. Usually anybody who comes up with that says, this is it. Like, I'm okay, you're okay. Remember that one from the 70s? Or, or any any other, uh, you know, primal scream therapy, followed by the name of Arthur Janoff back in the late 60s. You just have to scream. I read his book. I got so excited about it. I hadn't met my guru then that I bought 10 copies of it. And gave it to all my friends. <laughs> I finally found it. Just yell a lot. And I think, uh, who was it? Uh, the Beatles. Um, uh, which Beatle was it? The, John Lennon and uh, Yoko Ono. They actually got into primal therapy and they were both screaming. And some of her songs back then were screaming. And, uh, very interesting. <laughs> Try not to have an opinion about anything again. But people think they think that I got it. People do that with Buddhism. I did it. With, I started meditating in the, in the early 70s. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I finally found something that is going to work. Well, I didn't realize how much work that was going to be. But I got pretty excited the first couple of years. It takes a lot of work. And when I say work, it just takes you just need to insist on it. Don't settle for anything. Don't settle for any kind of uh, halfway. Don't take your eyes off from halfway measures. Don't settle for it. Halfway is good. At some point, if you if you if you're halfway up the side of the mountain, at some point uh, you may never get to the top of the mountain, but you may see that the top of the mountain, halfway up the mountain, the bottom of the mountain, the inside of the mountain, the outside of the mountain, not separate. If you see that, it's not a conclusion, and it's not enlightenment. It's just what sanity. How's that? No longer at war with anything, anywhere. Doug, you mentioned earlier that time was an illusion created by the ego. Mm -hmm. How do karma and dependent arising work without a sense of time? Just more of the same thing. Just more confusion, more illusion. Things coming and going and thinking they're coming and going. The identity with the body-mind complex, uh, because you know, we get older and, and we, we made those, what are those round things with, with, with sticks on them? <laughs> if you didn't know about that, if you didn't watch that hand move, what, how else would you measure time? Everybody's uh, sense of time is totally subjective, or at least partially subjective. You sit, in, uh, five people all sit and face the wall for uh, and, and 
and have them sit there for four or five hours and then ask them how much time has passed. It's, it's totally subjective. Uh, and it, sometimes you sit there and it just feels like it's a, an hour and when it's four hours. Sometimes you sit there and um, you can go into uh, going into a meditation hall and uh, especially in that situation where there's no there's nothing moving moving except your mind so you're slowly being in, introduced to just a deep level of the body it's called the mind a deeper level of the body and we only do that because the the, the consciousness itself, itself has uh, has warped out away from that dimension into a lower slower moving dimension we call the physical world so this is not solid it's relatively solid but ultimately full holes as everything is just like the, the front side of a mask is a mask the back side of a mask is something that has holes in it more you want to go there in my mind it's like karma implies cause and effect like something came before and after yeah and that's like a sense of time yeah and that's the before and after is extra it's not that you don't need them or that we wouldn't use them we, we actually use them to gain advantage and so it's a it if you're not trying to come to a conclusion about something, then it's much easier to see dependent origination. Pratitya Samudpada, our basic teaching of the Buddha. Uh, nothing comes from its own side. Everything is happening all at once, is another way of saying it. Everything is happening, past and future illusion. You, you can actually die and go in and be born in the past. And don't believe a word I say. I'm just saying that everything is possible. If you, as it's said, in other ways, uh, anything you can dream up is possible just because of the nature of this situation. It's so vast. This, this little dot that we are, this little grain of sand that we are, is, uh, is an illusion. But we need to look at it. We need to, if we're going to hack this system, we need to look at the system without bringing in some kind of ideas and opinions and judgments and values about it. You have everything you need. All you have to do is sit down and uh, just... Uh, it's just, as I've said recently, it's an elimination diet for the self-centeredness. Eliminate everything you can. That's meditation. Sit down, hold still. It's very interesting when we do that. What, what things that start to show up are things that we've been able to kind of, it might take a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, a few years. But are the things we've, we've managed to kind of just don't want to look at that. I'm not going to look at it. It's called what, suppression or repression. We don't even need that name. It's just stuff that's there. So sit down, hold still and watch what moves. And eventually the very thing you've been trying to, that you don't want to heal, you know, we just close it off. Just more comfortable that way. Too painful for that to, to come out into the fresh air. So it's not that there isn't, don't misunderstand, it's not that there isn't a cause and effect. Of course, that's that's the, why it's so impossible to, that's why, uh, that's why magicians can make money. Because they, they figure out the way physical things, and if I do it this way, and if I put a, a real rabbit in under the table, and then let's see, and if I can use a mirror to make it look like they're looking at an empty hat. Okay, got, got that. Getting that down? Okay, so, you know, I mean, it's, if you think about that, some people just love to make up things. So that's another kind of thing of pulling a rabbit out of it. A comedian does the same thing. He, she, or they... Uh, to tell a story about something in such a way that it brings you into it because they're storytellers and they bring you into it and then they pull a rug out and suddenly you, you because you're shocked at what comes next, then we all laugh. Some people are extremely good at that. George Carlin was extremely good at that. I also liked him. <laughs> yes. You say if you look long enough that you 
might uncover negativity that you hadn't seen before. So if that is now populating your life, what are there any tools to work with that negativity? Well, there could be. I mean, like uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, I don't have a, anytime we try to go in and try to manipulate something to get a relative success story out of it, it doesn't smell good because it's, because it's, you're, you're trying to correct something that without looking deeply into seeing what it is, it's, it's a high level of the mundane path. We're actually getting better. Nothing wrong with curing something or getting better, but uh, it's, uh, there's an awful lot of avoidance happening there. It's a lot of, of not looking in any other direction and trying to protect your little creation. Uh, like uh, everybody's doing, science does it, governments do it all over the place. The whole right and wrong, up and down, back and forth thing is a, it's a misunderstanding. It's an intense misunderstanding. And it could, could end, our, could end uh, uh, civilization possible. More? Yeah, so if, if there's more negativity uncovered, you know your habit is trying to get out of it. So you might find yourself doing other things to just get out of that. Is there any way to just stay with it rather than? Stay with your body. Stay with this, stay with this situation rather than, than go out. Because when we go out, we actually abandon and we assume there's someone here who is looking at something out there. It's a very simple uh, but uh, extremely deceptive understanding. If, if when you look around, you see something else, then that's the basic. If you see something other, and the teaching uh, that, uh, that we're, we look at as Buddhists, especially uh, in this particular lineage, and the way I understand it is uh, everything is empty of something else. Everything is empty of other. So if you're looking at me and you see somebody else, then you've got work to do. I don't see anything but you. Are you looking at me? I'm just, I'm just remembering Groucho Marx. <laughs> Need a big cigar though. <laughs> Further question about that? It just seems like it could get dire. Like if your habit is taking a drink and all this negativity comes up, you know, you're going to go down a road that you know is probably going to yeah. cause some problems for yourself or others. Okay, so give me the question. So, you know, I think we start to realize that there's something buried. But as it comes up, we know there's strong habits to get out of it, even detrimental. So how, how can we work with it? Is there a balance in the practice? Yes, look at the imbalance. And, if, and don't add one drop of balance to it. If, you're, if, you're, if you look at the imbalance and you're trying to go in and balance it, this is, uh, might be highly sophisticated, but it's still ego. Don't correct. There's nothing to correct. There's nothing to fix. This is this this teaching comes uh, does it comes through all schools of Buddhism in different ways, but in particular the Zogchen teachings of uh, it's called the Great Perfection. You see it if you see it, you see it. There's nothing to change. It isn't. It doesn't mean there isn't a warfare conflicts, but those are all dependently risen. Those are going to happen. But don't meddle. Don't meddle with your own mind, and you won't meddle with other people's minds. Trying to get people to act different, be different, do something different, be something else. Unless you're a teacher, unless you function as a teacher and you have the permission of students, uh, then you should be kicking uh, daylights out of everybody. What's kicking the daylights out of everybody? Uh, saving all beings. We have to have permission. I can't, I can't, as a Dharma teacher, I can't teach someone without their permission. 
and everyone, you know, some people actually might give me permission. Yes, Sogazan, I want to be your your student. Please help me, help me. I give you permission, do whatever you want. That might not mean anything. Someone might give me permission just by sitting in front of me. This doesn't mean because I, that I have some kind of magical otherworldly perception of people. I don't read minds. I'm not psychic. I don't do anything, but I just look at the situation. And then I know what I have permission to do and what I don't and what would be interfering with a person and what would be, even though they might not think so, what would be fundamentally helping them. It's not, it's not something you can decide and do. It's something you do. If you mistrust who you are up there, if you're constantly always have, taking exception to everything you do and say, well, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this. I should have done that. Uh, then it's, it's not that there isn't some sincerity there, but there just seems to be more necessity to train oneself to see clearly. And if you think there's somebody here who couldn't be right or wrong, that's the basic misunderstanding that there even is somebody. If you see there isn't anyone here, then right or wrong are just extra. It's not that that's going to give you permission to just walk on people and mistreat people. You probably will be even more clear about the boundaries and be more respectful of people's uh, karma, more respectful of their confusion. If you don't respect other people's confusion, you can't expect them to, to work with it. But you can't expect them to work with that difficulty if you're already objecting and thinking they should be a different kind of person. Unless you're me, then I get to do whatever I want. Mr. Battle Creek. He asks, how does interacting with the Sangha help us hack? So because uh, the Sangha is a community and uh, the community are, are all studying the Buddha's Dharma with the support of a, of a teacher. And uh, everyone in the Sangha has a different combination of causes and conditions that, that show up as their, their problems or their, uh, their abilities and all the variables there. And interacting, especially around studying the Dharma with others, uh, helps us see the way in which others are confused. Um, we may be coming to conclusions about that, but because of the nature of the environment and the nature of the teachings, one is less likely to meddle with them. And so when you're looking at others and you're coming to conclusions about the, them, it might take a while, but eventually you'll see that that is your mind. You're actually not looking at others. It's called Sangha. There isn't anyone else but you, but you have to see it. And until that time, you'll continue to think there's 10,000 things. Is that Shoka? Shoka, you have a further question about that? Further questions? Jasmine? So this is getting more and more confusing for me. Good. The, <laughs> uh, so we, we shouldn't make discriminations, but we talk about the mundane life and the mundane path and the spiritual path. So we have made a distinction. So are you saying that you don't judge either of the paths? Here's what I'm saying. You're, when you get up and leave, or even now, or anyway, whatever you do for the next, let's, let's say, 48 hours or something like that, uh, don't add anything to it. Don't do any math at all. If you notice discrimination show up, don't do anything with it. If you notice uh, openness or appreciation, kind of the opposite of that, you could say, don't do anything with it. Add nothing. No congratulations and no criticism. Just watch what comes and goes. That's the only way that one can, and this is, I use this term very, uh, um, with great, um, I don't use it much. There's great detachment there. But you can't detach unless you see the way you cling. You can't just let go. I, you'll never hear me say, I don't think, uh, well, just let go of it. 
It's like you just need to let go. Poor shit. You don't need to let go of anything. You need to see the way you've got your, your talons in deeply embedded in some particular thing. If you continually try to let go of something, you know, you might have something ego might allow you to let go so you can have a credential of letting go. But, you, you know, the left hand is deeply stuck into that material and, you, and you'll be able to hide that out until someone with, a, with the same kind of aggression, the same kind of clinging, the same kind of lust or whatever it may be comes along, resonates and wakes this up. And suddenly your aggression comes out towards them because you think it's them that's aggressive when it's your own unexamined aggression. You ha if you haven't made friends, you made friends with yourself, as my teacher used to say, on a deep, deep level, you'll continue to have enemies out there, your apparent enemies. So just observe. You may have to watch uh, the way, if you watch the way in which you're self-centered and watch the way in which you're narcissistic or idealistic for long periods of time and nothing goes away, one thing that will start to show, and I can say it in one word, is humility. You'll see, you, you can't, you can't be a great, kind, loving person, you know, but you could at least look at your negativity and then anything you do with others will probably show up maybe to them as loving and kind. You may never fly. You don't get that luxury. This is called bodhicitta. If this is your path, know how to do it. If we're sitting with a concept, we're sitting and a concept comes up and we watch it long enough, It's are you saying that sometimes there will, it will uh, untie, become more clear. Could. Could. We could close right up again, too. And so, like, if I'm staring at a, at a garden, I'm staring at something, staring at a garden. Don't stare. I'm, I'm observing. Yeah. And I think, I want to move that plant over there. Yeah. That plant over there. That will make it better. Well, What's you, the function of that? You're just orchestrating things. I might, if I'm... Um, Draw, I draw pictures or I might write something. And I'll, 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 it's called editing. There's nothing wrong with that. And you, you might notice you do it this way and you might next day, you might, no, that really needs to go back where it was. And so it's just a way of looking. You know, there's, a, there's kind of a, the whole idea of harmony and disharmony and so on. It's happening all the time with everything. So you, you get to participate in that. It's when we, when we go overboard about it and we think that what we did was right. And it's the correction, uh, right and wrong, because it won't last. What looks great today it looks like crap tomorrow. You haven't noticed that? I have. Okay. Good. And so when you say don't improve, is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. No, but but you know, there's going to be there is going to be something get getting softer or or kinder or more open and something that's going to get closed down and get more difficult and more with more razor teeth in it kind of thing. And that and the causes and conditions that bring about any given situation that you can contrast are beyond your control. I'm not saying that you could try to control them, but don't, don't worry about it. If you can if you can move it this way or that way, then move it. You have some. I can move my hands. So so far. Um, so yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, you can actually appreciate that, but you can also appreciate the the discontinuity of things that breaks down in such a way that it feels like distress or ugliness or. But it's still, you can still appreciate that. Like a fragrance, a flower and a, and a, and a cow manure are two different things. They both give off perfume, different kind. But you know, somebody who was born on a farm likes that smell. Because it reminds them of home, what it was like when they were growing up. There's just, 
it's still their fragrances and they're different. There's it's like the uh, sandokai, the quality of sameness and difference. They're 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 the, they're both they're the same in that they're both olfactory uh, objects, but they're different in that the one has a, a pleasant smell and one doesn't. So what what's that about? Why, why is it that why is it that somebody there can be uh, discordant music? Uh, forever, and then some composer comes along and figures out how to take how to take the discord. And I just mentioned Shostakovich. Uh, it's a very discordant kind of, uh, even aggressive, but seems to make that work in some way. Other artists in the visual arts and in, and in poetry and everything have taken things, and because they understand the nature of balance and harmony, and have taken things that don't smell so good and put them together in such a way that you have a new appreciation. Jackson Pollock did that. Uh, Willem de Kooning, Franz Klein, uh, visual artists, and then not to mention all of the poets who have done very similar things with words. More. I guess the last question about that is, so when that happens, and it's so amazing, and the, the challenges to not say, see too much about it because it could go sideways any moment. It's already gone sideways. Nothing lasts. Anything that comes up with something is going down, including a human being. As soon as you're born, you immediately start to go back into the elements. So while you're here, enjoy yourself. Take your own tool, but we can't think it's ever done or ever perfect or ever. But it is perfect, I suppose. You don't have to to do anything with it. You don't don't have to think about it. We don't want to stop the thoughts, but also we don't want to give give them a front row seat necessarily. Thoughts are good. Yeah, yeah. You have one? Oh, it's just a follow-up from uh, Shoka. Yeah. You asked him if he had a follow-up question. Um, it is, what is behind one's projection of other? Well, for projecting other, then there's a, there's an unexamined identity or self that we're just assuming. Or at the same time, you're projecting other. You're projecting that there's somebody who's who sees that, experiences that, likes that, doesn't like that. It's just duality, simply put. I'm not sure if that's exactly what the question intended. So the idea with uh, using using the metaphor of hacking is the idea that if you sit down and hold still and meditate, which is what we use for awareness practice, eventually you'll see the way in which you're sealing yourself off. Uh, you'll see that your own closed system called ego or self-centeredness You'll, you'll see more and more deeply. It might not be pleasant. It might not be pleasant to go down into that material. And maybe you don't need to do this. I'm not here to particularly promote it. I encourage it. I say all the time, train your mind. You don't, you don't have to join Buddhism. You don't, have to join, you don't have to join it. There isn't anything to join here. And if people ask me for ordination or precepts, I tell them no, sometimes several times. I want you to do it. I would like you because I think it would be good because what? Help me. But, um, you need you need to be the one that really wants to do that. And if you show me that, then uh, I'll help you in that way. Other than that, you can also just train your mind. Just make up your mind, uh, whatever's left of it, to um, to see clearly, deeply into your consciousness what this is. Find out who this is and see it. See what is happening there with hope and fear. Hope and fear. Those are. Very sneaky. It looks like fear's the bad one, hope's the good one. Misunderstanding and a really powerful one that is rampant all over the world. We have wonderfully intelligent, highly developed, educated people, way more smart than this old man, uh, 
praising and even say, you've got to have hope. What gives you hope? You need to have hope. No, you don't. You don't need hope. Hope is just a cloud you put in front of yourself so you don't have to look at the mess that's in front of you. Don't do it. Looking at the messes in front of you is uh, then you might be able to see what that is and uh, uh, might give you some hope. <laughs> Sir. I love your metaphor of hacking, but there's something about that metaphor that, that hacking has a purpose. So does, so hacking, does meditation. Hacking enables you to do something. So what is this? That exists, that thing that you want to do also needs to transcend spiritual material. Where is this? Uh, it's going right through it. You don't have to leave something if you hack it properly. So I'm, I'm not a computer hacker. I don't, I'm just using that as a, as a metaphor because I was listening to something about that recently. It seemed to fit for meditation. But the, the, what is being done there is going into not just the relative situation of hacking so you can get control, so you can open something up. Uh, that's a, a, a more materialistic form. I'm just using that metaphor because I'm saying the, the ego form is a closed, uh, locked up system based that is protected and, and, and fearful because it so much emphasizes duality or I and everything else. And some people are friends. Good. Good to meet you. Come on over here and stay with me. Or enemies, stay away. Close the windows, lock the doors, get out the M16 or whatever it may be. So that needs to be hacked. And we do it in our families. We, we just get up, getting up in the morning and talking to your, your partner, your mate, your, you know, and any, any kind of aggression that you've not been in looking at uh, is if you're really close to somebody intimately, you can be aggressive with them and not even know it. But if you start hacking that, if you meditate and become more clear about your negativity, so that's the idea there is to be, become more clear so that the fundamental thing that needs to be understood is outside the realm of cause and effect. And it's not separate from it, but it's outside of it. And that's when I say you don't have to, uh, you don't have to get better. Getting better is a relative thing. But there might need to be some hacking going on or some deep uh awareness with some kind of intention of seeing what this is fundamentally. And that takes some time. And, and, and it doesn't take uh, just a few years. It take a long, long time. Of course, it depends on the karma that brought you into this life. So um, with due respect to your, uh, to what you said, I would say, um, I think it's a little bit different in that it actually leaves uh, from the point of view of the success or failure. It actually leaves the relative realm. It's just a way of taking your consciousness and putting it in an area where there's no reference point. Hackers are not doing, they're finding reference points all over the place. So that's the metaphor, the metaphor, as you're saying, and as I'm agreeing with, completely falls apart. But I want to get people to look at who they are. Find out who you are. Find out who you are and find, and find out who you aren't. Powerful. So thank you. Even. When we're um, hacking the ego, we just kind of go around stumbling over things that pop up initially. <laughs> well, you probably do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, you know, it's different for each person. The important thing, I think, is it's taught kind of generically. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves, and do a lot of it. And then how that shows up for you personally in your life and what's happening is going to have to be quite a bit different than... The other 15 people sitting around, there are just different ways uh, that it shows up. But the important thing is to sharpen that blade. And then what you do with that blade or which vegetables you're going to chop 
might be totally different than someone else. I mean, it's another metaphor that only goes so far. More? What sharpens? The, the receiver, that which receives until there isn't any receiver. They'll look like a receiver. It's a, it's a relative, it shows up as a receiver, uh, but eventually there isn't, there isn't anything. When, when the understanding sees that there isn't anything else, there's nothing to receive. So receive until there isn't anything else. When I say until, uh, it's a time metaphor, which also comes apart too. So that's why you could say, if you attain enlightenment, you could also say nothing happened. It's not an occurrence. It has no place in space and time. Uh, another way of saying that uh, is you're already the Buddha. You're just, because you got downloaded into a physical body, you're covering it up. You can't be here without covering things up. The very covering things up is what got you here. Unless you came here out of a vow to save all beings. Meditate a lot. You, 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 you come to the monastery several times a week. Continue to do that. Sit in your own space. Sit, sit in the temples. So just continue to sit down, hold still, and watch that. Study, study the Dharma. In this case, since you're a student of mine, stay in touch with me or do something else. Should we stop? I just have a very quick comment. Please. I used to be very frustrated with you because you would always say to me, no hope, no hope. <laughs> and now I think I understand why. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. I need to give you more trouble. <laughs> Showing a rock, sir. Isn't it, is it all done? Almost. It's almost done. Okay. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Oh, that's good. One last question, if there is one. Very good, thank you.